good morning to everyone here and everyone online. Good to see you here this morning. A couple of weeks ago, we started a series about preparing for the future harvest. And I believe fully it was a word from the Lord. You know, as a staff, we've been praying and just seeking the face of the Lord to say, what are you saying for the future? And we kept hearing harvest. And then as I spent time personally with the Lord, I had a sense in my spirit that it wasn't just for us as a church, but for Christendom in general. In other words, the church worldwide, that, that God really has a harvest just on the edge right now, ready for us to be a part of. How many people would like to be a part of that harvest? Amen. Well, you know, for there to be a harvest, there has to be some things done in advance. If you want to harvest in the natural, you got to plant some seeds, right? And so uh, what we did uh, last week as part of an exercise, uh, you were given a little envelope, and I remember I was watching in the lobby as people were getting them. They were like, is there anything in here? You know, some people were opening and looking inside, trying to see anything, and there was, and Every envelope was a bunch of little seeds. And so what we did at the end of service uh, last week was that we invited you up and all of you planted seeds. It was, it was actually quite a thing for me to watch. It was like people were having babies. Like they were just so careful to move the soil and, and put the little seeds in and cover it. It was just so amazing to watch. Other people were like, you know, they put their finger in, stuck the seed in, covered over, walked away. It was just interesting to watch all the different kinds of people doing it. But here, seed got planted, all right? And so that's what happened. So what I did as a bit of a wise guy, I did some online uh, stuff to get people's attention. So I'll put a picture up here of what I posted on, on Facebook. There's me, and, I, and the title of it was, I said, New, local New York pastor has growing lights in his office. Details below. So the idea was to get people's attention, to wonder, what's this guy growing here, you know? So I went on, and, and I explained exactly what I've explained to you. And after 24 hours of, of planting them, this next picture will show you there was a little seedling. There it is. Now, if they can come in close, uh, we, we're, we're growing like crazy now. Literally over the last couple days, you can see that they're up above even the, the edge of the, uh, the containers that they're in. So a lot of the seeds are like inch, inch and a half high already after a week. Now, something that I want to mention, though, we planted the seeds last week. Now, if we had left them here and come back today... What would you have seen? Nothing. You just would have saw dirt. There wouldn't have been any germination. Nothing would have happened. Here's why. The sanctuary gets cooled down to about 60 degrees. And for germination to happen, you need about 80 degrees for that to happen. So what I did, I took after service last week. We took all these upstairs to my office, which is really nice and warm. I like it up there. And then I took warm water, about 100 degree water. And I doused every... I took two large containers and I doused all of these tubs with that warm, warm water. And literally, we came back the next day and one had sprouted already. Now, why am I telling you this? You're like, well, okay, big deal. What is this all about? Well, here's the spiritual part of it that the Lord just showed me this morning as I was praying, that so often we'll come to church and we get seeds. We get seeds planted. I come along or someone else shares with you some goodness of the word and, and, and you've got this seed and, and you plant it. But here's the thing, if it just remains in the deep, dark recesses of your heart and it's not activated by faith in your life, it will never grow and never multiply and never produce any fruit. And so really, this right here is a testimony of that. Now, you might say, well, how, how do I know what I'm doing? Well, here's the thing. My first 30 years, I lived on a farm. I literally have planted millions of seeds. Now, I didn't do them one at a time like you guys were doing. Uh, I'd still be there doing it. But, you know, we had big cedars that we would put all this, you know, 
hundreds of thousands of seeds in, drive tractors and plant it. And we did that. I was 30 years in the farm, and I saw that every season we would plant seeds. Now, here's the thing. I never, ever saw a harvest not grow. Ever. Ever. Now, I've seen some years where there was more crop than other years, but it always grew. And you know why? Because my father, who had been doing it long before me, had learned what to do to prepare the soil, to prepare it at the right time, to plant the seed, to make sure that the insecticides and everything was put on the ground so the seeds wouldn't get eaten. And then when the rain came, those seeds grew every single time. I can promise you that God's word is exactly the same. If you take God's word and you plant it in your heart and you, you nourish it and you allow the sunshine of Jesus to shine upon it and you allow God to work in it, the miracle of germination will happen and that seed will grow in your life and you will be fruitful in that area. I promise you that based upon my experience in the natural and my experience in the realm of the spirit. God is faithful. Can you say amen to that? He is faithful. So my prayer is that even today, I'm going to plant some seed. My prayer is you don't just let it lie dormant in your life, but you take it out and, and you nurture it and you water it and, and, and you allow God to cause an increase of that seed in your life. Amen? Let's not lie dormant. Let's let Jesus have his way in our lives. So that's what we've been talking about and, and getting into. But here's the thing. You and I need something. If we're going to plant seed, if we're going to believe for a harvest, then we need faith. Now, faith is a word that's thrown around a lot in Christendom, you know, in all kinds of different definitions. But what I want to do is give you a scriptural definition of faith as a foundation for you today so we can grow together, amen? So if you have your Bibles uh, or your apps or however you want to get there, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 1. So what is faith? That's what we're talking about to begin with. And here's what it says. Now, faith is... The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. So they're going to put that up there. They're getting it. Okay. It hasn't happened. It's happening. Oh, there it is. All right. Faith is. Now, here's what I love. Look at this. It says, now faith is. It doesn't say faith was or faith will be. It's in the present tense. Faith is. Listen to me. You may have had some stuff happen in your past. How many people have had some stuff happen in their past that they'd love to change? Anybody? Yeah, my hand's up, right? Got news for you. Can't change it. It's done. Can you change your future? What do you think? Yes. Based on what, though? Now. That's why faith is here now. As you can't change the past, but as you exercise real faith in your life and make godly decisions, it can change your future. That's why it's so important to live in the moment. That's why it's so important to be hearing from God right here and right now. Sometimes we get so worried about the future, we forget that right here and right now affects your future. Amen? I also got news for you. Jesus doesn't live in our time. He goes forwards in time. He goes backwards in time. He, he lives in all time, all at the same time. And so he knows what's in your future. Isn't it good to know that the redeemer of your soul, the one who sticks closer to you than a brother, the one that gave his life on the cross of Calvary, has a plan for your future? But you need faith now to see that good future, that plan that he has activated to happen. And really, that's what we want to talk about. So let's, let's define this a little better. In the Amplified Version, let's look at the same scripture. It says this, Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, or confirmation of things hoped for. 
divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. And I love that. Because if you're saying, well, God, show me and I'll believe, God says, that's not how it works, son or daughter. Believe and I will show myself to you. And that's why trust is so important or, or faith. And, and what is faith really? Let's, let's define this down even a little more. Faith is trusting God, first of all, for salvation, but then trusting all the other truths that are contained within the Bible. Now, does anyone here have perfect faith? <laughs> My hand's not up, right? So it's something that, that we, we, we develop, we grow in. There's, there's some ways to get that. So we've defined what faith is. So how do we get it? You know, you see, you know, you read stories of people of great faith, you know, whether it be healings or miracles or signs or wonders. You're like, man, I wish I had that. How many people have had that? You know, you, you hear a testimony of someone, man, I wish I could have had that, you know, or I could have been a part of that. Well, here's the thing. Let me show you right now two ways that we all have faith in our lives, all right? So let's look at the first one. The first one is this. It's given to us. So in Romans 12, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says this. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That word measure there is actually the word metric. It, it literally means a, a portion or a certain amount given. So God's given, you know, uh, Brian and Brenda a certain amount of faith. He's, he's given, you know, other individuals, Bob and Harriet, a certain amount of faith that they had even before they were born again. Now, how, how could I say that? I thought God doesn't work in anyone's life until after they're born again. Well, here's the thing. For you to accept Jesus, you have to believe on him. You have to have faith. So God, I believe, has put a measure of faith into every human being that's ever been born so that they can have the free choice of choosing life or not. Amen? So you've got that. It's guaranteed. So if any of you come up to me and you say, I don't have any faith, I might just kind of like slap you. I'll say, weren't you listening? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because listen, you have a measure of faith. Now the thing is, it's a certain level. That's what God's giving. Kind of like a starter seed, right? He's giving it to you to get going. But here's the other part. There's now a type of faith that you can grow in your life. And since we can't really change the measure that's been given to us, we really should be focusing on the part that can be changed in our life, right? That we can grow and develop. And that's found in Romans 10, verse 17. And it says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the words of Christ. So here, literally we're told how it can be grown in our life. So it says faith comes Faith comes by what? Hearing. You might say, okay, well, I've heard like a thousand sermons. You know, one day I sat down and worked out how many sermons I've heard. I've literally heard tens of thousands of sermons over my Christian life. So let me tell you something. If hearing a sermon would grow faith, I'd have the biggest faith here. You get what I'm saying? But there's more to hearing than just hearing it. This word hearing actually means to perceive and understand what's being said. Now, Lots of people hear things. I think of my kids when they were younger, and I said, hey, take out the garbage. Now, I know they heard me. The decibels of my voice was more than loud enough for it to go into their eardrums and go in their brain. But did they do it? Not always. So the point is, they heard it, but they didn't act upon it. And so for us to have faith that really works, you've got to understand it, perceive it, and then act upon it. Because here's what it says. And hearing through what? 
the words of Christ. So literally, you're not just understanding what, how the world operates or what's going on out there. This is all about Jesus and how he moves and how he acts and how he talks to us. And in fact, as we look at this, it says hearing, understanding, right, through the words of Christ. So you might say, well, okay, I can grow in faith by reading the Bible. Does, does anyone here agree that that's a true statement? It is, all right? No, not a trick question, all right? It is a way that you can grow in faith and read his word. But believe it or not, that's not what this scripture says. What this scripture says, that word word there, there's two words for word in the Greek language in the New Testament. One is the logos word. That's the written word. That's as you read it, you can grow in faith. But this word here is rhema. And that is the revealed word of God or the spoken word. Word of God. Now it can come out of the Word, the written Word, but what it's talking about is when you're in prayer and God shows you something for a specific situation or circumstance. That's how you grow in faith. I'll use a story from, from my, my wife's life. I, I, just anyone that knows me, I pick on my wife relentlessly. I really do. And I, I'll apologize, but I don't really mean it. Um, she, <laughs> She, she's just so easy to pick on. But here's the thing. She's gotten really good. She gets me back really, really good. All right, so it, it goes both ways. So don't feel that I'm just tormenting her and she doesn't get her way. She gets me really good a lot of times. So we, we've got a couple of uh, mission trips coming up where we're going to the DR and to Zambia. And so I'm the visionary guy. I'm like, yeah, we, we're going, you know. And, and Sandra's like, well, what about our passports? And I'm like, ah, they're, they're fine. So she actually gets them out and actually looks at them and realize that they're going to be outdated by the time we go to, to Zambia. So she's like, that won't work. I'm like, ah. So, so I fill out all the paperwork, and I fill out the expediting. You know, I do all this stuff, throw money at it, right? That's what you do to make things happen. I send it in. And so, great, time goes by, time goes by. So Sandra, every day, is like, did you check the mailbox? You check the mailbox? Yeah, honey, it's, it's not there, right? So after a while, I realize that she's really worried about this. So you know what I'm going to do, right? I'm like, honey, you know, I don't know what we're going to do, like, if, if it doesn't show up. So a couple days later, hers shows up, but not mine. So <laughs> this is awesome. So, so now, now I'm in high gear mode of tormenting, all right? So uh, a couple days goes by, and she's like, where's yours? I'm like, what? I, I don't know. Just, you know. I check online that says you can't find out. It's, you know, with the government, by the time you get your passport, it'll tell you whether what's happening. So... It's useless, the online app. And so time goes on, time goes on, time goes on. So I'm like, Sandra, you know, I guess you're going to have to go in my place because, you know, I can't go, so you can go and share. You know, I'll help you a little bit, but, you know, you can preach the word. You can, you can do all that. Now, she's terrified, right? Because this is day after day. I'm like, no, it didn't come, didn't come, didn't come. Weeks are going by now. She's got hers. I don't have mine. Weeks are going by. So finally, one day, I'm really I'm really pushing her. And so she goes, fine. And she walks to our bedroom. And I'm like, whatever, you know. I carry on doing what I'm doing. And she comes back, and I start again teasing her because that's just who I am. And she looks at me and says, it won't work now. I'm like, why not? It worked like 20 minutes ago before you left. She goes, I prayed. I heard from Jesus, and he says it's coming January 31st. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. And I tried. I tried to rib her. I tried to torment her, and nothing would work anymore. So that was about a week before, week, week and a half before the 31st, right? 
So time goes on, so I can't tease her anymore, so it's no fun anymore, so I don't bother, right? So as time goes on, it comes to the 31st. I get home that day, and I remember, hey, it's the 31st. I'll check the mailbox. I knew Sandra had been away. You know what I found in the mailbox? I was kind of hoping it wasn't there so I could rib her. And so here's what I did. I took the stuff, put it in my knapsack, went in the, a different way into the house. And I'm like, hey, Sandra, come on down here. I want to show you something. So I was showing her something. And she knew that I probably got the mail. So she said, did you get the mail? I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, there wasn't anything in it. So she looks at me square in the face and she says, you're lying. God told me it was going to be here today. Did you check the mailbox? I'm like, it's in here. And so she, she finds now, how could she be so sure? Listen, she could be so sure because she knows her Savior. She knows who God is. Through thick and thin, she's gone in prayer with Him. She's talked with Him. She spent time with Him. That's how faith grows in our life. It's not through the easy times of life. It's when passports don't show up. It's when difficulties and challenges happen in life. It pushes us to God's throne room to seek His face, to hear from Him, to know what He's got to say. And when we leave, we have faith that we trusted that what he said will come to pass. Now, sometimes there's a part we play, right? You got to go to the mailbox. You got to check it. In the case of these seeds that got planted, I had to take them upstairs where it was warm, put them under growing lights and water them and nurture them and pray, God, please let these things grow. I don't want to preach a sermon about when your seed doesn't grow. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to preach that kind of sermon. I wanted one that it, when it does grow. And so in your life and in mine, we have to come to that place. If we want to grow in faith, it's in his presence that makes everything change, all right? You can talk about other ways to grow in faith. The word says we go from what? Faith to faith, from glory to glory. And when it's speaking of that, we go from one experience to another. Sander was confident in what she said because of all the other micro-moment times where she's had with Jesus for the last 35 years where God has spoken to her, she's heard him, and it came to pass. And she has that foundation to stand on that when God speaks again, it's another step up. And another step up. Let, let me tell you something. When she says God says, she's not using those words lightly. And I listen because I know it will come to pass. So far, it's all been good stuff about me, so I'm, I'm good about it. But I'm not sure. <laughs> I better stop teasing her, right? Yeah, I will. Amen. Amen. But we need to come to a place of realizing that this is about trusting Jesus. And, and let, me, let me just share with you. We're going to go now to the last part of this sermon, this talk, and it's how this actually works. You know, I gave an example of Sandra, but I want you guys to be able to understand how this can work in your life. And there's a scripture in, in Mark 11, verse 22, and Jesus makes this statement. He says, have faith in God. How many people have heard that scripture somewhere along the way? It's a really famous quote, and then it goes on and talks about if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be picked up and cast into the sea and it will happen. You know, whatever you say and believe, it's going to happen. How many people have heard that type of scripture? And, and it's good preaching material. It's awesome. In fact, we're going to read it in a moment. But can I tell you something that I've seen it stripped out of context so many times it wants to, yeah, I want to vomit sometimes. Because what happens is when it's taken out of context, its meaning gets twisted just a little bit. Because you get the idea that whatever you want, whatever I want, all we do is speak it out and it will happen. Let me tell you something, that's not what the scripture says. And so I want to walk you through this. This is kind of our last portion of scripture we're going to look at. But my hope is that when you get this, that you're going to have an aha moment and it will be life-changing. That it will elevate your faith from here 
to hear. How many people want more faith this morning? Amen? Yeah, faith that works. You know, faith that you see that God says and it happens. That's what all of us want, right? You know, and so this is kind of an entrance in. So let's, let's look at this. So if you go with your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Now let me give you a little bit of background of what's going on here. This is right near the end of Jesus' three and a half years on the earth. He'd already, you know, done all the things that he's going to do. And we're coming up to the last week just before his crucifixion. And in fact, he had already entered into Jerusalem. He'd ridden on the donkey and come in. And if you remember the account, it says he got in, he looked around, and because it was late, he went back home. So he actually went back to Bethany, all right, which is a town just outside of Jerusalem. And so we're going to pick up right there that very next morning, okay? So Mark 11, beginning at verse 12. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to him, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Verse 17, and he taught them saying, is it not written my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and they sought how they might destroy him for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teachings. When evening had come, Jesus went out of the city. Verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you've cursed has withered away. Verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This is a pretty interesting portion of scripture. And there's a, there's a natural level to it. And then there's a spiritual level to it. Plus, there's actually a level that applies to that day, to that event. And so I want to take a minute and dissect it a bit, and then we're going to land on what it means to you and I today. So first of all, we look and we see Jesus is, is coming. He's hungry, all right? Sees a fig tree with leaves on it. He goes over to check it out, and there's no figs on it. And you, you read that it says it wasn't the season for figs. And that, that always used to bother me, so I've researched this out. The type of fig trees they had there had two crops of figs on them. When the leaves would come in, there would be some figs that would come in with those leaves. And then there'd be a later crop of a much larger crop of figs that would come later on. So Jesus, looking at the fig tree with leaves on it, assumed there should be some figs on it. Not a lot, but there should be some. But what happened when he went there? There was none, not even one. And so he curses the tree, right? I know some people get pretty upset about that. Here's Jesus cursing a tree. He's supposed to bless people, you know, all that. Why is he cursing, you know, you know, cursing the environment and all those things? Can you get past that, all right, and just understand that there was a reason why he did this, all right? And so then he comes in, into Jerusalem, specifically to the temple, 
And what does he do? He goes in and says, oh, man, everyone here is worshiping God. What an awesome place. Does he say that? No, he doesn't. He sees, he sees buying and selling happening. He's seeing people carrying their wares, their goods through for sale through the middle of the temple area. You know, crazy stuff is going on. So just to give you an example, if you were some person that was coming just to worship God and you brought your little sheep or your little dove in, they would inspect it. So the scribes, the Pharisees, they had a system set up where they would inspect the, the, the sacrifice. And if it wasn't up to par, if it wasn't perfect in their eyes, they could just look at it and say, no, nah, something wrong with it. You know, I, I, no. So then what you'd have to do is take your sheep or your dove and trade it with one of theirs that was approved. And oh, by the way, there was a fee to do that. You get what I'm saying? They weren't just being nice. Saying, oh, you can have this one instead. There was a fee. So then you would take their sheep or their dove and go and offer it to the Lord. Guess what happened to your sheep or your dove? Anyone here? You got it figured out. You know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Next person comes along and, and oh, no, your, your, your sheep's not good enough. Your dove. So, so what happened is your dove or your sheep gets sold to the next poor guy or girl that comes in. You hear what I'm going with this? So it was a racket. It had nothing to do with about purity, really, or worshiping God. It was a money-making scheme that the religious people were doing. And, and so Jesus gets a little bit upset, right? In fact, I want to see the tape when, when, when I get to heaven. One of the first things I want to see, I want to see creation, because I think that's going to be really cool. I want to see all of Genesis. I want to see the entire Bible in panoramic 3D, you know, the whole deal where I, I, you know, I want some popcorn too, something to drink, but so I can watch the whole thing. But I want to see the temple account when he goes in and he's flipping. You know, everybody thinks meek, mild Jesus, you know, so gentle and peace loving. Listen, he's flipping tables. Can you imagine? He's going, ah, you know, he's flipping tables and he's yelling. You know, this is, you've made it into a den of thieves. You know, this is to be what? A house of prayer. Right? And he goes through, and nobody touches him because everybody there knows that it's the truth, even though they weren't honoring God by doing the truth. And so, what does Jesus do? He then leaves there, and they're coming back out of town, and there's the fig tree that he had cursed. And Pete looks at it and says, Hey, Jesus, you know, the fig tree, look at it, it's dead, it's withering from the roots. Do you think Jesus went, Oh, man, that's amazing? Do you think Jesus was surprised or amazed by it at all? Not at all. In fact, he goes on and uses it as a teaching, right? He says, look it, you need to have faith in God. If you've got a mountain in your life, you speak to it and you can move it out of the way. And so he uses this as a teaching lesson. So there's a couple of levels I want you to see here. First of all, that green tree, that fig tree without any fruit on it, represented the religious leaders of that day. All right? That's what it represented at that day. And when Jesus came into the temple, he was basically saying, look, it, you act like you got fruit in your life. You, you, you're all green and all leafy and you talk about God and you act a certain way, but there's no fruit in your life at all. You're, you're dead. You're cursed. There's nothing in you that's good at all. And so then he goes out and that tree is now withered, right? Because when God speaks a word over something, it's going to come to pass. So that's about the natural part. That, that's what it was about there. What's it about for you and I? How does this fit in growing in faith for you and I? Well, the Bible says this, and you write this scripture down. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, that we, you and me, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now let's look at this in the context that this isn't about a physical temple, that it's not about the Sadducees and Pharisees. It's about you and it's about me. So Jesus comes along, 
into town, and he takes a look at us, takes a look at me. Am I just leafy greens, or is there fruit in my life? Is there anything that honors God? Now, I want God to be a part of my life. You, how many people want God to be a part of their lives, right? And so, you're like Jesus, do whatever you got to do. So, what does he do to that tree in the Bible? What does he do? He curses that greenness because that greenness is not producing any fruit that's of any value to your life or to anyone around. Sometimes we wonder why things don't work out in our lives when we think, hey, you know, I really like doing that. I really like this. And it ends up just withering and dying. Why? Because we have a heart to do what God wants us to do, but we're confused. We're like, well, if, 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 if Jesus is for me and not against me, then why is this being cursed in my life? Why is this being broken down? Why is this withering and dying? It's because it needs to go so that it can be fruitfulness come. And that's really what this is speaking to us. And so he goes to the temple, right? And, and here's the cool part. He doesn't tell the people what to do, does he? He doesn't say, well, look, you really shouldn't be selling stuff. Pick up your cart and get out of here. What does he do? He does it. He's the guy flipping the tables. He's the guy driving the sheep out. That's the beautiful part about Christianity. It's not about you and I trying to fix ourselves up. It's about letting Jesus in so he can clean house. The question is, are you willing to let him? You see, the scribes of that day could have stopped him. They could have literally physically stopped him, but they knew that it was the truth and it was the right thing to do. Are you willing to let Jesus come in and clean house in your life? Now, I'm talking to believers here right now. You might say, well, hold it. I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've repented of my sins. You know, I, I, I'm perfect. Is any of us perfect? The Bible says we're not. Bible says if any of us say we're without sin, we're a liar and there's no truth in us. So part of acknowledging the work of Jesus is acknowledging that God is still working on us. And so the question is, are you willing to let him come into your temple, into your life, into your way of thinking, into how you function and think how life should be and let him turn everything upside down? Because in the end, it will bring healing and wholeness to you. Now, why can I say all that? Well, after he cleans the temple, right, Pete says, look, at the tree's withered, it's died, it's, it, it's dead. And Jesus then goes on to say why he had to do that. So let's just pick this up in verse 22 again. So it's Mark 11, 22, and a couple of verses. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So first of all, I want to make note of this have faith in God. Listen to me. Too many of us have faith in our relationships. Too many of us have faith in our jobs. Too many of us have faith in our school degrees and all those kinds of things. Listen to me. That's not whose faith you should have in. Your faith should be in God and Him alone for those circumstances. You hear what I'm saying? So it's not that, you know, for example, I love my wife dearly, but here's the thing. I have more faith in God than I do in her. I trust God that our relationship will be healthy. I trust God that as I follow Jesus' words, as I let him clean up my life, then I will be a better husband. I won't tease Sandra as much. You know, all those things that I, I should stop doing, all right? You know, the idea is that it grows, but my faith isn't in that relationship. It's in him and him alone who will never leave us nor forsake us. But so many times we put faith in the things of this world and here's what happens. It gets broken. It goes the wrong way. And, and then what happens to our faith? It gets broken and hurt. Let me tell you something. You have faith in Jesus. 
He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never, ever let you down. Now, the problem is, is that sometimes what we call faith is actually presumption on our part. We're speaking to different things in our lives, and we're like, hey, I want this to happen. I want that to happen. I want that to stop. Uh, you know, and it's just you and I just talking into the air. What does Jesus say we have to do before we ask? I just read it. Pray. Just like Sandra. She went and prayed first, heard from God, and then spoke what God said. But sometimes we miss that step. We're like, well, this is my circumstance. This is what I want to happen. Therefore, in the name of Jesus. We haven't got any authority to do that. Our authority is in what he's told us. So when we're actually saying in the name of Jesus, that's not like an add-on thing to like add power to your prayer. What you're really confessing is that what you said before in the name of Jesus is that according to the word that God has told me, I am now repeating it and making it known out loud. That's what real faith is. It's not you presuming something and speaking it out loud thinking it's going to make some difference. I got news for you. You're going to be very disappointed. But when you hear from Jesus... When you spent time with him and then you speak that, all heaven and earth has moved on your behalf. It's the most amazing thing. And so with that in mind, I want to leave you with three parts of faith. In fact, you can't have faith without these other two parts, all right? Really important. So they're going to pop that up. And what you have to do first is pray and believe and say. And this is right from the scriptures that I've just read. And so if you want to have real faith that moves mountains in your life, oh, and oh, by the way, the mountains that Jesus is primarily talking about are the ones on the inside of you and me. It's not the outside mountains. The biggest mountains that you and I have to deal with in life are the ones on the inside. You deal with the ones on the inside, the outside ones are like easy peasy. I, honestly, I, I really mean that. The mountains are on the inside. And as we hear from the Lord, as we allow him to clean us up, as we allow him to work on the inside, and he shows us what to do, what to speak to it, how to speak to it, then I'll tell you something. Every circumstance on the inside of you that's twisting you up and robbing you of your peace will be brought down in the name and the authority of Jesus. Amen? All right, so pray. You need to spend time with your Savior. You need to spend time talking with Him. And don't do all the talking, not like me this morning, all right? You need to spend some quiet time. Let Him talk to you back. I believe in 50-50 time. If you're going to spend 10 minutes with Him, five minutes at the most that you're talking. And five minutes where you're just quietly trying to listen and let Him speak back to you. You ever talk to somebody in a conversation and they do all the talking? And you leave that conversation? I'm sure Jesus, in my early days especially, was shaking his head. He's like, will you shut up so I can talk to you? You know, He didn't say that ever to me, but I'm sure he was thinking it, all right? So pray, spend that time with him. Then, based upon what he says, you trust that that word is true. And then the next step, which is equally as important, you act upon it. You believe that God's going to do it. And your part might be, in my case, I had to bring these plants upstairs. I had to put water on them. I had to put a light on them. I had to do something. So when I say say, it doesn't necessarily mean just talking, but say and act according to whatever God tells you to do. Amen. Let's stand together. Some of you here right now, you're at a faith circumstance in your life where you're being challenged in your life, in your thinking. So this is an external, this is an internal thing where you are being challenged in how you're thinking. And it's affecting you. You're like, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. But what you're doing right now, and I hear the Lord saying this, you're depending upon your own strength. You're trying to do it the way you've always done it before. And here's the thing, hoping and expecting for different results. 
It doesn't work that way. You've got to allow him to do the change in the inside, and then what will happen will be quite different. So just with every head bowed, just for a moment, I just want to ask the question. I'm not going to make you come up or anything, but just respond to the Lord. You know, are you at a faith crisis right now in some part of your life? If it's so, just put your hand up to the Lord. That's all. I appreciate your honesty and your hands that are up all through the sanctuary. Amen. You can put your hands down. Lord, you saw the hands raised all through this place. And Lord, I'm sure online some hands were raised as well. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray that as each person is in this crisis, that it pushes them towards you. <laughs> Lord God, that's really what, what a crisis in you is about. It pushes us to you. And so, Lord, I pray as, as each one spends time with you and, and just unburdening themselves and saying, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. I need your help. That, Lord God, that this would be a, a monumental moment in their lives. That as they do that, that you would begin to speak to them, whether you use audible words or just a sense in their heart or, or through the word of God. However you want to do it, however you want to speak, Lord, we give you permission. But, Lord, I pray that faith would rise up on the inside of them. They've all got the gift of faith. They all have a measure of faith, Lord God. And so I pray right now in Jesus' name that, that they allow that faith that they can grow, that it would begin to grow. That it wouldn't remain as just a little seedling, but it would grow and produce a harvest. And then, Lord, they can stand upon that act of faith to believe for even greater things. So, Father, right now I speak a blessing over your people. I pray, Lord God, that they allow your seed, your word, to not just be left in the cold dark, but to be watered and warmed up that it may grow and mature and produce a harvest of righteousness in their lives. So bless each one, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you this morning.